0: Hello everybody, this is Shanae Adams, a.k.a. Honestly Nay, and you're listening to The Phoenix Cast. Everyone, so excited to have you here on this special crossover podcast. Again, my name is Sinead Adams, and I'm a violence prevention educator at the Phoenix Center. And I am also the founder and lead education of Honestly Nay. Honestly Nay is a sexuality education and consultation business that has a mission of sexuality explanation, normalization, and melanated representation. You can book me to come out and talk about all things that exist underneath the banner of sexuality, and I can fit almost anything underneath that banner, from classroom lectures to organization meetings to DEI work, I've got you covered. And as you know, the Phoenix Center is a center here on the Auraria campus where we support students, faculty, and staff that may be experiencing interpersonal violence. That includes sexual violence, harassment, assault, and stalking. And today we're going to be talking about kink and violence. Specifically, I'm going to be answering some questions that I got from you all on my social media. Um, And so, you know, just as a little bit of a content warning, that's what we'll be talking about today. So if you do, while you're listening to this podcast, find yourself being activated by some of the things that are going on please, please, please make sure that you go ahead and you reach out to us here at the Phoenix Center on Auraria's campus. And you can also call our hotline at 303-556-2255. That is 24-7. Someone will be there on the other end to hold space for you and help you through uh whatever kind of emotional time that you may be having. But let's go ahead and jump into kink and violence. So, one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this crossover podcast is because October is national kink month. It is Halloween. And, you know, it's kinktober in pulling together both my passions being at the PCA and being a kink and fetish educator. I wanted to go ahead and bring these two things together for you. So I put out a call on social media for some questions, for some things that y'all wanted to know about relating to kink and violence. And the main reason why this is important for me, is because this is the work that I do primarily when I go out and give lectures on kink, primarily to Black and BIPOC communities. One of the first things that I hear is that Why would you come talk to us about kink? Kink is only for white people. And so that's one of the first questions I have is that, is BIPOC welcome, are BIPOC welcome in kink? Absolutely. It absolutely makes sense that if you were to get onto the Googles right now and Google kinks, the first thing that's going to come up is 50 Shades of Grey, which is a terrible representation of kink. It's extremely unethical, and there are no BIPOC people in the only movie that I saw. Right. And so, absolutely, it makes sense. If you look in the mainstream and you don't see yourself, you might get that idea that it's not for you, but that is further from the truth than you could ever possibly be. There's absolutely a community. For every identity. So BIPOC identities, differently abled identities, sexual orientations, the vast spectrum of sexual orientation, your community is out there. Unfortunately, your community may not be mainstream. And so you might have to look a little bit harder for it. But your community is absolutely out there. Which brings us to the next question. How do you find community? How do you find kinky spaces to be in? How do you find kinky educators to learn from? And my personal favorite, even though it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, is social media. So you can find myself and other kinky educators on social media putting out good, great, great content. Um, Unfortunately, that means that we might be getting shadow banned or banned on the Instagrams and other socials. That's absolutely a great place to start another way to find community is to go to events, go to conferences. One of my personal favorite conferences is Sex Down South. It happens in Atlanta every September. I actually just got back from it. We had us a grand old time in the labyrinth, which is the dungeon space, which is where you can find me doing some head dom work, right? (laughs) Um, That's a great place to look, but there are also all kinds of different conferences and opportunities, no matter where you are located in the States, you know, doing, A quick search for a conference or for an event that you can find is a great place to, A, be in a space where you don't feel pressured to have to engage in anything. You're surrounded by people who, you know, are coming with the same energy and you're going to be able to get some knowledge and some information, which is what you want before you begin engaging in a kinky practice. Which brings us to another question. What are some things that I might need or might want to help to make sure that I stay safe? Engaging in kink. And the first thing I always like to tell people is self teaching is great. You can find information on YouTube. You can find, you know, the different online lectures that I do or the different posts that I do. That's a great place to start. But if you can get in front of someone virtually or in real life for a class, that is going to, uh, it's just going to elevate your confidence because you're going to feel confident and safe in what you're doing. It's going to elevate your knowledge because you're getting training from a person who has experience. So that way you can learn from their experience and make new mistakes, not the same mistakes that they've made, right? And then you're gonna be able to be surrounded by others who are also there to learn and that's how you're gonna start to get community. So absolutely grab the books, but find you a class, find you a one-on-one, a 10-on-one, some kind of opportunity to learn, from a trained kinkster on how to do these things. Because depending on what kinky activities you may be interested in, some of them are very dangerous. And so you want to make sure that you are getting credible knowledge from a credible source. So that way you are keeping yourself and your play partners as safe as possible. All right, let's pull up another question here. So here's a good question. What is the difference between kink and violence? That is Absolutely a great question. Primarily for Black people and communities of color, a lot of the things that we do in kinky spaces can oftentimes reflect a lot of the things done to our ancestors without their consent, right? And so the main difference between kink and violence is consent, okay? When we're engaging in kink and BDSM play, and you'll hear me use those interchangeably kink is an umbrella term for everything that you do that might make a Judeo Christian leader clutch their pearls. And for some of us, that's just existing. (laughs) And BDSM are specific activities that take place underneath that umbrella, but they are by no means an exhaustive list of all of the different activities that you can do in the kink space, okay? So kink and violence is separated by consent. And enthusiastic consent is consent that is freely given. It can be taken away whenever it's wanted. And it is enthusiastically agreed to, all right? In kink and BDSM spaces, there are different consent models that we use to be able to help make sure that these spaces are consensual. There's three, or really four, that you'll see out in different play spaces right now, and I'm just going to give you a quick overview of them, right? So, the first one is SSC. That stands for safe, sane, and consensual. Now, the issue with SSC is that it is very subjective. Because I think it's perfectly safe to set my partner on fire. I think it's perfectly safe to set my partner on fire. And if I say, hey, partner, can I set you on fire? And they say, yeah, well, I've gotten consent. But the issue is, are we doing like a fingertip of flame work? Are we doing like an entire Johnny Rocket flame on? Like, What are we doing? How are we doing it? Who's going to be there? How are we going to stay safe? SSD doesn't really make space or prioritize the answering of those questions. And so that's where we start to see RAC, R-A-C-K, which stands for Risk Aware Consensual Kink. Now, Risk Aware Consensual Kink would say, hey, partner, can I set you on fire? My partner would say, well, what's everything that could go wrong? Right. And I might say, well, you know, I could set this entire building on fire. I could give you a burn. I could get a flame that's out of control, or we could just have a little form- fun, <laughs> fun and warming sensation. Right. And so the thing about rack is that it can be a little bit difficult to get into a fun, playful space if you're constantly focusing on everything that's going to go wrong. Now don't get it wrong. You need to have that conversation, but if it's your main focus, it might be hard to get into a fun play space, which is where my personal favorite consent model, PRICK, P-R-I-C-K, comes in. PRICK stands for Personal Responsibility Informed Consensual Kink. PRICK says that it is your personal responsibility to be informed in order to consent to this kink. So what that would look like is I would say, hey, partner, can I set you on fire? And my partner would say, hey, actually, let me go do some research. Let me go learn about this. Why don't you go do some research and learn about this too? Make sure that you have the skills and the tools. Go find a class, right? So you make sure that you know how to do this and we'll come back. And when we come back, they might ask questions like, how much training do you have? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Who's going to be there? Are we going to stay safe? What is this process going to look like? Right? And now it's our personal responsibility to be informed about these acts and about these kinks. Okay? And so that is the difference between kink and violence is that we have to be having these consent conversations, these very explicit and hugely overviewed consent conversations. Okay? Great question. Great question. Ooh, here's the next one. If someone likes violence during sex, does that mean that they are a bad person? I get asked this question a lot about what does it mean if you're a person who's kinky or, you know, if we're looking at 50 shades of gray, Christian gray received a lot of trauma when he was a child. And so then he became a kinkster, right? And so that's a lot of different myth literature that gets put out into the world about kingsters, right? That they have to be somehow abused when they were children or emotionally damaged or psychologically ill or mentally unstable in some sense. And what the research actually shows us is that kingsters are no more messed up Than anybody else. In fact, kinksters actually have less rejection sensitivity. They are more extroverted. They're great problem solvers. They're better communicators. They're better advocators for their needs, right? And so being kinky actually gives you a few more tools than not being kinky, right? And so if you're a person who likes violence, and I'm putting that in quotations right now, because is it actually violence that you like? Or maybe you're a person who wants to be spanked or wants to be hit or wants to be pushed and pulled around or likes to have a partner who's a little bit more aggressive, right? If you're a person who enjoys those things, that does not say anything about who you are as a human or about the quality of human that you are or anything about your personhood, okay? It just means that these are the things that you like and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, what would be wrong is that if you're not having these consensual conversations before you're engaging in these spaces, because when we talk about consent, there's a lot of focus on the person who's receiving the thing, right? Sometimes called the submissive or sometimes called the bottom. But if you're the person who's doing the thing, the dom or the top, you get to consent to things too. And so if your partner is asking you to do things that you don't want to do, or you don't feel comfortable with, you're 100% welcome and should say, no, I don't feel comfortable with that. And it doesn't make your partner a bad person. It does make you a bad person because you've said no, it's different strokes for different folks, people. Okay. Ooh, here's a good question. What is the difference between kink and vanilla? And so if you've heard that term before, vanilla is typically used to describe a person who maybe is not quote unquote, kinky. But remember, being kinky is just if you do anything that would make a Judeo-Christian leaders clutch their pearls. And for some of us, that means existing. And I think that vanilla sometimes gets a bad rap because especially if we think about things like ice cream, those ice creams that have things in them, like your cookies and cream, your moose tracks, your rocky road. In order for that to be a really good ice cream, you have to have a solid, tasty vanilla base. Because if you don't have a tasty vanilla-based ice cream, then you just have really gross ice cream with a bunch of stuff in it, and that's not going to be great. So when I hear somebody say, oh, I'm vanilla, what comes into my mind is that you have all of the necessary tools and foundations in place in order to add in your sprinkles, your chocolate chips, your Oreo cookies into your vanilla base. So if you're vanilla, then I assume that you have good communication. You know how to ask for what you want. You've tapped into yourself and you're aware of the things that you're interested in. You've done some research, right? You've laid all of this foundation in order to jump in and start to experience a little bit more of the pop rocks and sprinkles that kink can be. So vanilla can absolutely get a bad rap, right? But does consent look different in kinky relationships versus vanilla relationships? And the answer is no those consent models that I gave you look the same across all kinds of different relationships that you could be in, kinky or otherwise. So you want to make sure that you're getting that enthusiastic yes, you want to make sure that that consent is freely given, and you want to make sure that if and when that consent wants to be revoked, you're able to take it away without any must, or strife that might come with it. Let's pull up another question. Ooh, okay. How do I talk to my partner about wanting to incorporate aspects of kink into our relationship? Um there's some more there, but I'm going to end it there. Yeah, so how do you talk about bringing kink into your relationship uh, while trying to make sure that, you know, all of your your vibes and everything continues to stay healthy and helpful within the relationship. So one of the best ways to do that is to Present your partner with the thing that you've found or seen or tell them the dream or the fantasy that you've had and ask them how they feel about that, right? It's okay to be able to say, hey, partner, I want to show you this video that I saw and I want to see what you think about it. Or, hey, you know, I have this fantasy or I have this dream about this thing that I want to do. Would you be interested in hearing it? And it's that part there, it's getting permission before you present the thing. You don't want to just blindside your partner with this video or with this fantasy or with this dream, right? You want to kind of give them a little bit of an opening and ask them if they're interested in going on this journey with you. It's also great to be able to be like, hey, I found this educator and they teach really cool things. And so I thought that it might be cool or might be fun to take a class, right? A little kinky BDSM class sounds like a fantabulous date night. Right. So you want to get that initial permission in order to show them the thing and then show them the thing and then be open to the questions that might come up or to the clarifying. And if you don't have the answers to those, it's perfectly okay to be like, you know, I don't have the answer to that question, but I'll continue to ponder it. If you are the partner whose partner has approached you and wants to show you these kinky things that you, ha- you don't know what they are, you didn't know that they were interested in or you just didn't know to begin with, one of the first things I always like to tell people is take a breath, <laughs> take a breath. Sometimes these things can feel overwhelming because they're new, right? There's also a lot of stigma that goes along with being a kinky person or a kinkster, right, and there's a lot of myth that goes along with what it means to be this person as well. So if you start to feel that temperature rise, that emotional heightenedness coming up, take a breath okay take a breath and just be open look at what the thing is hear what the fantasy is listen to what the dream is and it's perfectly okay to say all right thank you for showing me that i need a few minutes to process take your time process it see what comes up it's also great to come back and say hey i've processed this thing i'd like to have a conversation here are some questions i have or some things that i want to understand right it's perfectly okay to take those breaks as you need them, right? But What you wanna make sure that you have is an openness to be able to show your partner and tell your partners these things that you're interested in and an openness as a partner to be receptive and listening to the things that your partner is interested in. Just because they like something and you don't, it doesn't mean that y'all are not compatible. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It's just different strokes for different folks, right? The thing about kink and BDSM and helping it stay in a healthy space is looking at this list of all the things that I want to do, this list of all the things that you want to do. And what are the things that we are able to do together? You want to Venn diagram it, okay? You want to find that sweet spot of things that we're interested in doing together. It does not mean I'm interested in this thing and you're not, so let me convince you. No, no, no. The Venn diagram are what are the things that intersect that we're interested in doing together, okay? Oh, here's a good question. So there's been some folks who are new to BDSM and someone presented themselves as an expert, but they were unethical. And so how do you know what a healthy or safe and ethical form of kink or BDSM looks like? Oh my gosh, this is one of my favorite questions. I love talking about how to vet your educators, vet your play partners, vet the people who you're getting your knowledge from right? And one of my favorite questions that I give to all of my students is when you start to engage in BDSM, specifically in power dynamics, right? And power dynamics are situations in which one person is in power and one person is not. One person is on the receiving end of power. One person is giving that power away. A great vetting question to figure out whether or not this person is practicing an ethical form of BDSM is who has the power okay? Because in a power dynamic, you can typically show up as a dominant, a submissive, or switch. Dominants are people who the power and control is flowing to. Submissives are the people the power and control is flowing away from. And switches are switchy, right? And this is only in a power dynamic. Power dynamics are categorized by very stringent conversations between the people involved in which there is a set of rules and then a set of consequences to not following those rules that are previously discussed by the parties involved. Okay, So one of the best questions I always like to ask is in this power dynamic, who has the power? Now, if you run into a person, if you ask this question and they immediately say, well, I have the power because I'm the dom. And so you have to do what I say that is a person that you want to run far, far, far away from because they might potentially not be practicing an ethical form of BDSM, right? When we look at a power dynamic, the power has to flow from somewhere. And so in a power dynamic, the most important player, the person with all the power is the submissive, right? Which a lot of people, you may be surprised to hear that. But the submissive position is the person who shows up with a bucket of power, control, and attention and says, I agree to give you my power, control, and attention barring we only do these activities. I can have this bucket back whenever I want. Right. And whomever that person is giving it to needs to be a person who has earned the trust needed to be worthy. Of that bucket of power control and attention, right? So you want to start by asking questions. A question that uh, comes up a lot when I talk about vetting is when people ask for references. And so Depending on who this person is, you know, if they're seeing clients, they potentially might have clients who want to remain anonymous, who need to have confidentiality, right? And so maybe they're not able to give you their client list, but they might know other doms or they might have other play partners or know other people in the community who they can refer you to. Now, when it comes to asking for references, having the reference can be important, but I think what is far more telling is how a person responds to that question Right. If you say, Hey, do you have any references? So I can just do a little background checking on you. And this person says, (laughs) Why would you need references? I told you that I know what I'm doing. Why would you want to talk to other people? Red flag. That might be a person whom you not you might not want to interact with. But if they say, Yeah, you know, I can't really give you any client references just because of the anonymity of my client basis, but here's such a such dom who, you know, I've shared space with, or here's such a such person whose dungeon or events I frequent. So that way you are able to get a little bit of a filler experience about who they are in the community. But I always think that, you know, if you're interested in a person, you want to go ahead and especially if you're interested in playing with a professional, you want to go ahead and engage in conversation, see if y'all vibe before you start to engage in any activities. Great question. Other forms of unethical or unhealthy BDSM might look like people who aren't getting consent models, people who are blurring consent lines, right? Anything that's not an enthusiastic yes is a no. People who, you know, don't listen or don't respect or haven't earned that trust, you know, haven't kind of done the the pre work needed in order to engage in kink and BDSM. So that way everybody involved can feel safe and can enjoy themselves. All right, let's see. What else do we have here? Hmm, I'm doing the scrolls here, I'm doing the scrolls here. There's a lot of uh, questions that have fallen into different categories, and I believe I've hit a good deal of those categories. All right. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of more questions, feel free to send those questions my way. So you can find me on the social medias, on Instagram at honestlynae, also at honestlynae.com. On Instagram and on my website is where you'll be able to find the different workshops that I'm hosting, different content, different themes. My kinktober theme this year was the kink tarot. So I definitely jump on over to my Instagram and check out the Kink Tarot. No, you cannot buy the deck because creating is hard work, but enjoy the pretty pictures I have put on Instagram. Right? That's where you'll also be able to find any workshops that I'm teaching and any places that I'll be going. You can also send me an email if you want me to pop up in your city, at your job, at your event to come and do some speaking and some educating. I'd love to be able to do that for you. Also, make sure that you are following the Phoenix Center at Auraria. The Phoenix Center's Instagram is at Phoenix Auraria. You also want to make sure that you go to thepca.org. That's where you're going to be able to find the Phoenix Center at Auraria. Again, if you've been listening to this podcast and something has impacted you and you need someone to reach out to, please reach out to our 24-7 hotline at 303-556-2255, or come visit us at the Phoenix Center at Auraria in Denver in the Tivoli Student Union. This has been a Phoenix Center and Honestly Nay collab crossover event. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to talk to y'all soon. Bye.